And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is a good friend, Pastor Al Baker. And Al, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I always enjoy it. You head up a ministry, a Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship, and you're an evangelist with them. A little while ago, you wrote a devotional back towards the end of July. You put this thing out regularly. It's called Forget None of His Benefits. And this particular one, Al, you were talking about basically the holiness of God and how we stand before him. If we haven't come into relationship with Christ yet, we have a particular very problematic uh, relationship that needs to be uh, fixed uh, with a holy God. So could you tell us um, today, could you review with us the nature of God, what is he like, and um, his just wrath. Mm, yes. Well, that's a very, very important and serious topic, obviously. And, uh, of course, there's only uh, one attribute of God that's referred to three three times. Uh, you know, holy, holy, holy mm. is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come. Uh, the Bible never says God is love, 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 that God is grace, grace, grace. He's justice, justice, justice. Of course he is love. Of course he's grace. Of course he is justice. But he's thrice holy, as uh, the old Puritans would say. And uh, that's very important. And holiness, of course, means that he is without sin in any fashion. He is completely free from even the slightest taint of sin. And um, the Bible in the book of Hebrews refers to him as a consuming fire. Mm. Um, it says that, um, that we will stand before him, that we will give an account. The book of Hebrews also says it's appointed for men once to die, then comes the judgment. So every person that's ever lived is going to stand before the holy God. And uh, in Romans chapter 2, it says that every thought, will be judged by God. Mm. In Luke 12, it says that every careless word will be judged by God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and Roman, uh, Revelation 19 say that every deed will be judged by God. Now, I'm sure that uh, you and I, and I'm sure the people that are listening today, would acknowledge that, well, we're all in trouble here, because That's right. none of us are perfect. Jesus said, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father's perfect. So um, if we have sin, and we all do, then we're going to stand before him on the judgment day, and we're going to render account to him for all that we've said, thought, and done, or things we should have done that we did not do. Mm. Now, that's the, that's the picture. And because he's holy, he cannot, he cannot and he will not, allow people into his presence with sin. It would be a violation of his nature because he's a just God. He can't let people off the hook. That would be, uh, that would be uh, unfair to other people. So the, the question, of course, is then what does he do? And, and what a beautiful, beautiful hope we have that he will, that he does in fact have a remedy. And of course that remedy 
is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so um, how did he go about doing that? Well, of course, Jesus became man. The Bible speaks of his incarnation, that he, uh, the Trinity's always existed, uh, the Trinitarian God, he's eternal. And Jesus was in heaven with his Father, and uh, some theologians speak about a covenant of redemption. That means that Jesus willingly agreed to become human flesh and to come into this world and to live here and to accomplish as the last Adam what the first Adam could not do. The first Adam, of course, is in Genesis uh, 1 through 3, and he lived in a perfect place with Eve, but of course he fell into sin. And God's just judgment fell upon Adam and Eve and their posterity. Uh, Romans 5 says that um, he was the first of, of, of the ones who sinned, and we've all sinned in Adam. Mm. So we're born, we're born sinners, and uh, we have what the Bible calls, what theologians call, original sin. That's, how, that's what we're born with. We're all born with a bent toward rebellion and disobedience. Now, again, not everybody's as bad as they could be, thankfully, but mm-hmm. that's, that's the bent. That's the direction of all of us. And then, of course, we commit actual sins, too, as long as we live. And, of course, people say, well, what is sin? Well, sin just is breaking God's law. You know, simply put, Jesus said you're to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. So if there's even one moment of one day in our lives that we don't love God with every ounce of our being, and if at one time we don't love other people like we love ourselves, then we've broken his law. And because he's holy, even that one sin would send us to hell. And, but, of course, we've sinned times without number. So that's the condition of mankind. But then God does a great work after mm, that. Yes, indeed. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned how that um, we're all in this together in a way because um, we're born sinners and uh, we, you and I, or one of us may have been born into a Christian home, and yet um, we still needed to come to faith in Jesus Christ and, and receive Christ for our own. Um, we're, we're living at a time right now uh, where there's a lot of news going on, and um, you can see a lot of outward uh, ramifications of these sinful hearts. Um, we can see a lot of hatred going on, uh, a lot of destruction of private property and and theft and cursings and even murder, and uh, and yet um, these are bubbling up from inside the heart of man. And so um, we're we're all sinners. And uh, can you describe? I almost hate to cover this, but we have to, uh, Al. What what is the unrepentant person facing as he goes into eternity? Well, it is a sobering question, and um, I, I like to put it this way: um, the the hell is hell is referred to in the Old Testament generally as Hades or Sheol, um, but it's not a fully developed doctrine. But when we get to the New Testament, Jesus develops it fully. He gives us a lot more information. And uh, a lot of times we people think of Jesus as meek and mild Jesus, kind of maybe looking the other way at our sin and so hmm. forth. But he, no, he's holy. He's, because he's God, he's holy. 
and he develops that doctrine of sin. And um, so what happens based on what uh, Jesus said in uh, Luke 16 with um, uh, a parable there, um, you know, the, the rich man and Lazarus? Oh, yes. Uh, what he says in Mark's Gospel about the, the hell is a place where the fire's never quenched and the worm never dies. That's a reference, by the way, to... Um, a place right outside of Jerusalem, where the which was the garbage dump mm-hmm. back in that day, and everybody was coming in and out of Jerusalem knew very well about that garbage dump, and so there were carcasses there, maybe sometimes even of people, but carcasses of animals and mm-hmm. garbage and trash, and it was always burning, and there was always worms there eating into the flesh of those rotting carcasses. And, it's a, and so Jesus used that as an example. A hell is like that garbage dump. The fire is never quenched. It's always burning, and the worm never dies. It's constantly eating. And so hell is a picture of eternity away from the presence of God and from his glory. So someone who dies without Jesus Christ, immediately his soul goes to hell. And um, he knows exactly where he is. He's conscious of it, and it's a place of conscious, endless torment. And they, because some theologians and commentators think that the worm never dies is a picture of the people being able to think back where they heard a friend tell them about Jesus, or they heard a street preacher once, or they went to church once and heard the gospel, or they read a gospel tract, but they rejected it. And they're looking back and they're remembering with great uh, eternal regret what they could have had, but they did not get. Uh, that is heaven. So uh, it's, but as bad, and so hell is a place of um, unimaginable horror. Mm. And, and yet, that's not the end. I like to put it this way, that those who are in hell <clears throat> would give anything they could if they could stay there another million years. And the reason I say that is because they, what they fear most is that day. Mm. Now that, that day is the day of the white throne judgment, Revelation 20, where every unrepentant sinner will appear before God and, as I mentioned earlier, will be judged according to his words, his deeds, um, his thoughts. And he'll be judged by the perfect uh, holiness of God. And all of these sins will be put before him. And he will hear the words that he knew were coming, but he dreaded ever since the moment he entered hell. That is, Jesus will say to them, depart from me, Mm. you workers of iniquity, into the everlasting fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what the scriptures refer to as the second death. Mm. And again, it's conscious, it's endless. The eyes with which these uh, lost people looked on evil and wickedness uh, on earth will try to look on peace and prosperity, but they won't find it there. And their hands that were quick to do evil and the feet which were quick to run to evil and wickedness uh, will try to reach, will try to run from the horror of of the lake of fire, and it's like their feet are in cement. They can't move, Mm. and their hands will reach up for mercy, and there's no mercy there. And so it's 
it's beyond anything we can imagine. And I think sometimes people say, well, well, that's a little rough, isn't it? I mean, that's a little over the top. I mean, I thought God was in the forgiveness business. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't he supposed to forgive people? And, and I say, oh, he's wonderfully quick to forgive. But the problem is that they have to be cleansed, and people don't see that need. And the reason they don't see that need, Dan, is because, as we mentioned a moment ago, we're born rebellious sinners, and we choose to go our own way. And the longer we live, the more we sin, and the, longer, and the more our sins mount up against us. And the greater exposure we've had to the truth, the longer we've lived in sin, the greater our judgment will be. And so there has to be a remedy. And thankfully, God has given us a remedy in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, today we're talking with evangelist Al Baker, and Al, uh, before we go to the to the last um, and very important um, segment, uh, have you ever met someone who um, you've been praying that they would come to faith in Christ, but they haven't yet, and they just simply say, "Well, I don't believe in that," you know. And it, in other words, that settles it for them. Um, but things are not settled, are they? No, we never give up uh, with people if if. If uh, you people listening today have a loved one, and most of us do have somebody in our family who's not yet in Christ, then never give up. Mm. And uh, even if they die and, and you and you saw no indication, unless they were, you know, the last minute before they died cursing God, we don't know what happens. I mean, we know we know that when they die, they go, if they're unbelievers, they go to hell. But what I mean is you don't know, we don't know what went on between them and God. Yes. Even to, toward the end. So we always hope, we always hope that they'll be there, but we have to speak to them. And uh, and again, sometimes, uh, particularly family members, don't want to hear it, uh, that we've tried to speak to them before, and they've kind of reject us. But, um, you know, if we maybe we have time later today or, or another time to talk about how to actually engage people who like that, who have mm. pretty much written us off. But. Um, but anyway, that's that's important. Yes. Well, let's switch gears and talk about um, the good news. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if someone would come along and um, carry that load of sin and guilt and wash us clean? Maybe you can talk to us about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I was actually at a college campus the other day. Uh, outside of Houston, uh, speaking to college students, and I never grow tired of of proclaiming the beauty and the glory of Jesus. You know, uh, Paul is writing to the Colossians, and these had been pretty wicked people. They were into the worship of angels and so forth, and uh, very very perverted, very pagan. And uh, they were born again. There was a church established in that city of Asia Minor, which is Western Turkey. And, and Paul reminds them, uh, he says, uh, although you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, and engaged in evil deeds, he says, you're now holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. What an astonishing declaration. Hmm. Holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. And holy means without sin. Wow. Um, 
blameless means without guilt. Um, being above reproach means without shame. And all of us have guilt. All of us have sin. All of us have shame. We're, there's things we've done we don't want people to know about. And what Paul is saying to these formerly wicked pagan people is that God now looks at them, again, because of what Christ did, as holy, blameless, beyond reproach. Now, there's a verse in between those two that I didn't mention yet. And it goes like this. Um, uh, Although you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, and engaged in evil deeds, yet he reconciled you to himself through Christ in his fleshly body through death. In other words, Jesus was born in this world. He had a fleshly body like all of us do without sin. He never sinned. He was tempted in all things as we are, yet he did not sin. And his death on the cross was an amazing transaction. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, God made him, that is Jesus, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's an amazing thing. Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he takes the sin of his people upon himself. And in Psalm 5, it says, the Lord hates all who do iniquity. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. Now, that's shocking to some people. Mm. It says that God doesn't merely hate their sin. It says that he hates them. And yet, at the same time, we can say that God loves the world. Yes. How can this be? How can he love sinners and hate sinners at the same time? But because he's God, that's why, because he's holy. We're, we're incapable of doing that because we have sin, even in, in, in us as believers. But he's perfectly holy in his justice and his judgment, and he poured out the wrath that we deserve on Jesus. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. The Father literally turned his back on Jesus. He cut off this perfect union and fellowship they had, they had enjoyed for eternity. For those three hours that Jesus was on the cross, he was separated from his Father. He was looking for mercy. He was looking for comfort, and there was no answer. And that's what Jesus took. He took hell for us. And therefore, no one has to go to hell Everyone can be forgiven, no matter what they've done, no matter how vile they've been, they can be forgiven, but they must understand their sin. They have to own up to it. They have to acknowledge, yes, they're responsible, not their parents, not their husband or wife, not their children, not their, you know, we're all responsible for our sin, and that it deserves judgment. But we believe, but you have to repent. That means turn away from your sin and believe on Jesus Christ, that he will, and he promises to take away our sin as far as the East is from the West. And that, Dan, is good news. <laughs> Amen. Today we're talking with Pastor Al Baker. He's an evangelist. He often is out on the streets talking with people, maybe the college campus, Uh, presenting the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, which the Bible does. And uh, he shared with us earlier how that we are sinners. We're all sinners. And uh, unless this work of grace is done in our hearts, 
we have a terrible future right ahead of us. And it's it's an awful future. Al, in the last three or four minutes remaining, suppose someone comes to you and says, I realize I'm a sinner and I I wanna I wanna repent. I wanna tell God I'm sorry. Um, how would you guide such a person as that? Yeah, well, it's a great question. I would say, um, I would try to stress to them, I would say something like this. Well, you do have to realize that you have this rebellious heart and that you've sinned from the beginning and that you're guilty before God and that you have no hope in yourself, turning over a new leaf, trying to get back to the community, uh, you know, doing these various good deeds. They're, they're nice, they're important for a community, but they're not going to save you. You have to see your need, and you have to believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you. And by belief, I don't mean just acknowledging him. Everybody knows who Jesus is. There's hardly anybody in this country who's never heard of Jesus. But that's not real faith. It's not just knowing. It's not even going along with it. A lot of people say, well, yeah, you know, not only do I know about Jesus, I, you know, I really like Jesus. I, I kind of go along with what I read in the Bible or mm. what I've heard. That's not faith either. Faith is utter and complete trust. If I'm out in the ocean and uh, I'm, I'm about to drown and, and hypothermia is getting me because of the cold water and so forth, mm. and somebody throws me a, a life jacket, I've got a choice. I can look at it and say, well, I know that would save me. Uh, I'd like for it to save me, but that doesn't prove my faith or my trust in that life jacket. The only way that I'm going to prove my trust in a life jacket is to let go of the paddle and grab hold of the life jacket, <laughs> and then right. they'll bring me up. That's faith. That's true faith. And that's, that's what I think is missing a lot. So I would say to the people, you have to truly believe. And then repent means that you acknowledge that, yeah, you've been going the wrong direction. You've been a rebel, and uh, because of that, you deserve hell. But repentance means I'm going to go in the different direction. I've been going in the wrong direction. Now I'm getting on the right road, going in the right direction, following Christ. And then I would say to them, you have to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And to call on him means you sense your utter desperation. This is not a casual thing. You come to the understand, unless he saves me, I have no hope at all. And so you call on him. And he is able, quick, and ready to save at that very moment. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. And, Al, you've seen and I've seen uh, folks who have a very hard heart and no interest at all in the things of God. And when God does this sovereign work of grace in his heart or her heart, it's like scales fall from the eyes and a softness of heart ensues. It's unexplainable. I cannot explain it, but something real happens in the soul, and God's created our soul, and so he knows how to deal with us, and so how important it is to cry out to God and, and place our trust and faith in him. Um, today we've been talking with Pastor Al Baker, and uh, Al, you you're on the web, and is there an address that they can go to to learn more and maybe sign up for your devotional? Yeah, yeah, they can go to refglobal.org. Uh, uh, that's a website that we use. They can also just uh, Google uh, "forget none of his benefits." Uh, 
and then my name, Al Baker, and, and it, that'll pop up as well on the, on the web. So either one is fine. R-E-F Global, and then forget none of his benefits. Okay, good. We'll put that on the website. And thank you for taking your precious time and sharing with our listeners today, Pastor Al Baker. And uh, keep up the good work by God's grace. And uh, say hi to your wife, Winnie, and thank her for us. Uh, this is all the more time you didn't have with her today. So thank you very much. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure, Dan. God bless you as well. I look forward to talking with you again. Okay. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. For not with swords loud clashing, nor roll of stirring drums, but deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes. Let your kingdom come And your will be done Right here on the earth Like it is in heaven Lead on, O King Eternal Follow not with fears, for gladness breaks like morning where'er thy face appears. Let your kingdom come and your is lifted o'er us we journey in its light we follow as you guide us lead on O God of mine